yeah. Hey. Welcome to the comics table. We are at the table. We set the table. We got the silverware out. We do. We're going to have a turkey dinner tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm Sweet Tea. I'm Sweet Pea. Welcome to the comics table. That's <laughs> such a dumb... Thing. We should redo this. Not really. I'm just kidding. Never go back. We don't go back. No. Because today we have an awesome guest. Tristan, who's in the house? Zilla Vodnes. Hey, Zilla. Hi, Zilla. Hello, guys. How you doing? I feel like I'm coming in high energy for me. This is this monotone voice. This is high energy for me. And Zilla's even, even uh, she's just chilling over there. I like that. That yeah. was very chill music, so I feel like I'm just chilling with you guys. We're just chilling in simple studios. Yeah, New York City. This, this somebody's been murdered in this room. Yeah, uh, I think some kind of improv practice is happening right. here. Right? They, they, well, I meant they've been murdered like an improvised way. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. They, they died many times over. Yeah. And so, then they they did mind melding exercises after that. Yeah. Did you do improv? Never. And I'm thinking maybe I should because it'd probably be good for crowd work. It's it great, for, great crowd for crowd work, work yeah. but I'm always curious about uh, who's done improv because uh, you're so funny. Zilla Vodnes, hilarious comedian. Very hilarious. Uh, Why, thank very you. beautiful as well. And well, that's inconsequential. Yeah, that doesn't matter. <laughs> that doesn't matter. Uh, she's, a, she's a human. She's a funny human. Really funny human. But in improv, uh, th- that's, I mean, I dealt with it all the time as a beautiful person myself. In improv, <laughs> it's just always coming up in scenes. You know, I've always got to play the Ken doll or Brad. Oh Pitt. man, I feel so bad for you. Yeah, uh, I would play the creepy neighbor, yeah, or um, the the uh, the creepy relative, or um, you know, the creepy stranger. Yeah, um, yeah. Like well, because you have to creepy like, Santa Claus. The best improv is based in reality, right? So. Yeah. Anyway, fuck improv for now. I love improv, but let's move on. It's so echoey it. in here, isn't it? It's it's got it's, a reverb to it. Like especially you are like super echo right now. Am I talking too loud? I'll, no, I no, no, no. You're down. talking just fine. It's just this room. There's no way around it. Yeah, it's full of metal chairs. Yeah, you're not you're not dampening anything on that motherfucker. No, 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 no. We're actually in a warehouse. Don't lie. Come <laughs> yeah. on, let's be honest. Yeah, we're in a Bushwick <laughs> warehouse uh, in East Williamsburg because that's where you live, right? At a dead end. I fear for my life. Guys, this is my last transmission. No, yeah, that is where I live. I live in Bushwick. It's great. It's where I've always lived. I feel like you're the, the mayor of Everybody else Bushwick. is fearing, fearing for their life with you, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Are you the mayor of Bushwick, Zilla? I'm not the mayor of Bushwick. Um, I'm just trying to hold on to a little piece of Bushwick for as long as I can before I get priced out. I'm the mayor of Bush. Oh, Bush, Bush Town. Bush in general. Mayor Bush yeah. Town. You, you Bush do, Town. Your beard is yeah. very bushy these it is, days. Yeah, I have not gotten a haircut in like a month. Oh. I thought you meant the shitty band. I was. Well, that too. <laughs> not a shitty band. I will argue Bush was not a shitty Glycerin. band. I, uh, I had to shoot something with Gavin Rosdale once, and he smelled like very expensive lotions. Oh, that's nice. It smelled so good. I didn't think you were going to say lotions. I enjoy that you said lotions. Yeah, um, it, there was probably perfumes and colognes in there too, but no, I just because he's a rock star, I was like very expensive, pricey vomit. He smelled like or or uh, <laughs> prostitutes. Yeah, yeah. What? We don't worry about copyright on this because no one <laughs> listens to it. So, how many breakups have you guys soothed with this song? None, absolutely. I because I don't date guys, <laughs> so that's that's mainly why not. This is just the, every shitty Michael Bay romance yeah. scene right here. Or I, uh, or high school talent show. Get your acoustic guitar, learn this three 
three chord progression and just go for it. Because you don't even have to sing; you just like whisper. Uh, I I I actually like I liked Bush, and I uh, Gavin is you know gorgeous. Yeah, gorgeous man. Can't believe he let uh, what's her face get away. Yeah, what's her face, man? <laughs> How can, <laughs> why could she have <laughs> held on to her? What is her name again? Gwen Stefani. Yeah, yeah. Are you a fa- <laughs> actually the way more famous part of that duo? I feel like Zilla is is a woman who kind of channels that energy, like a Gwen I energy. Could see that. I could see a Gwen like, energy. You're so cool. You're so funny. Yeah. And you have a presence. You have so much uh, she's charisma. Like a, she's like a less Puerto Rican Gwen Stefani. Yes. And I would never, <laughs> I mean, I, I used to really like Gwen when she used to be like a billion barrettes in her hair because I'm a 90s girl yeah. and all that shit. But I would never walk around with a crew of Asian women. Mm. So that's where she lost me. Yeah. She's into the hair. Everybody's got to have their signature. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that is. When you do have fans, when you have like a legion of of young girls who fall in love with you, what do you imagine they look like? Um, I just imagine that they're all pyromaniacs. Uh, Someone told me, I don't know if I told you guys this story. There was a guy in the train and he was like, you look like a lady that sets lots of fires and shit. I was like, (laughs) damn straight. So they'd just be pyros. I imagine the the group of women that are going to be in love with, with Zilla are going to be wearing a lot of plaid, you know, like, like a really plaid heavy group, like a new wave grunge situation. Right. Yes. But they smell like expensive lotions. They smell. They all smell like. Expensive and they skateboard. Lotions. Like they can all not just ride a skateboard, but they could do kickflips and stuff. Right. Like they're actually good at it. I'm a fan of this. I hope this happens. <laughs> yeah. So, do is 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 making it as a comedian the dream for you? Um, being able to make a living off of comedy is the dream. Yeah. Like I have to be realistic. It was it was funny. Like being 34 years old. Like I was telling a friend of mine. Like so, I started <laughs> comedy. Tell. Uh, f- 34 fucking 34 <laughs> i'm proud of that shit yeah you um, should be you don't you know you look like 24 she's like a good tw- yeah. solid 24 Except- i'm just gonna put a disclaimer out there we're gonna talk about zilla's appearance and go fuck yourselves <laughs> if that's a problem okay i mean we're not gonna deconstruct it or anything but but yeah you're a beautiful you're a beautiful woman at 34 I mean, objectively, objectively. So here's my feeling about, okay, so you said, um, what, what is my idea of making it? Um, I was telling someone the other day that I was doing comedy and she goes, oh my God, like you don't think like your picture is going to be in like the newspaper, like you'd be in a movie. Cause that's like not going to happen. And I was like, damn girl. Was that you know? a friend? A frenemy, apparently. Yeah, let's get them out of your life. We don't need that negativity. We only need positivity. Um, but as, if I could do the variety show and like do that and let's, let's generate about, enough to not lose money on the variety show, let's talk about the, vari- the variety show. Patrick yeah. and I did the variety show. This Gran noche, Gran <laughs> noche, right. dos. Wepa, wepa. Represent. <laughs> <laughs> you motherfucker! <laughs> no, it was that. Honestly, that was a transcendent night for me. I needed to have that much fun at a show. I, I I've, I've been suffering for the last year or so on stage, and you I were had hilarious, so man. much fun, dude. On your you show. did a lot of like when you were talking to that guy in the like captain. That shit was like wonderful because you were taking hits at him. But you were being really loving about it, right. which is what I really hope is just like the whole idea of the show. The cat- which yeah. is like we so can make great. fun of each other yeah. and we can fuck around, but we all love each other. It's all love. We were yeah. laughing because the captain was sitting there in the, by this guy. Wait, there's this guy dressed up in like a sailor's hat 
And like, I ca- he had like the sailor's jacket on, everything. Like, he looked like a captain, and yeah. he had a pipe. No, I was talking about the dude at the captain, the yoga team. Remember the yoga instructor? Oh, that guy. Yeah. But like I gotta, the- say, I gotta say, the captain though, Nick was a, he, Nick, and he was sitting behind a Casio, playing amazing mixes of yes. songs. And I was really funny. At the end, there was a belly dancer, and he just had this huge <laughs> smile with his like pipe sticking out the entire time. Like, yes, oh yeah, yes. <laughs> he was feeling it. Yeah. <laughs> He was digging it. But yeah, no, you were making fun of the yoga dude yeah. in like a, like a nice way. Yeah. Oh, it was beautiful. That, guy that was great. Yeah. Turns out Carolina Teresa's roommate. Do you know Carolina? Is that her roommate? That's what they said at the end of the night. Patrick, none of our listeners that don't exist will. Carolina will Teresa, know who that is. another hilarious Bushwick comedian who uh, kills me and is so like, or like she's, I think, a year in or something. And you're how how far in are you, Zilla? Um, I did my first open mic at the Creek in the Cave in August of last year, and it completely tore my heart out and shat on it, so and like exactly, put it in a mailbox and sent it to hell. Well, <laughs> so then I took back. a break. <laughs> Your heart is back because you're killing it. That was only a year ago. Yeah, and then I did. After that, I took I stopped, and then I did a show. At um, I did a couple of mics and then I did a bringer at Gotham and that was in February and then after that I kept Jesus doing it. that's crazy because you are so funny and you have so many I like know. developed bits and you did like twenty you did like probably a, like all all told if you put together all your time you must have done like twenty minutes yeah I, and it was really solid stuff I mean I just want to interject real quick because uh, I feel like w- the three of us were there so we know yeah. what we're talking about so Zilla puts on a show it's a variety show called Gran Noche and it was mainly a showcase of comedians yes. but there was music yes uh, there were dancers there was a belly dancer great dancing uh, a couple DJs at the end of the night mm-hmm. so it was this whole 3D dynamic and experience. Zilla was just uh, dressed to the nines yes describe Zilla's look um, what was like a, what, what, what do you call that kind of it was a yellow well, it was kind of like a Chiquita banana kind of look if I'm being quite honest right like it was the very uh, expressive uh, hat it's a I don't know what the names for any of these right? things are um, I was wearing a turban with an ostrich feather okay. stuck in it but it was like there was like more to it than that wasn't there, there yeah was like, there was like a there was like a was there a um, flower sticking out of there or something oh yeah I like try to channel with the headpiece like Carmen Miranda yeah it was very Carmen Miranda and, and, then, and the whole yellow dress and then I had these sequin boots oh yeah the, the glitter boots they were green right mm-hmm. yeah green sequins those are the kind of things that um, like your kid like finds in your closet when you're like 45 and like, what the fuck was this mom? And you're like, oh, that's back from the, the 2010s. Yeah. <laughs> My mom's case, it was the, uh, the seventies. She had like green glitter, like platform shoes. And I remember finding this in her closet because when I was a kid. she used to host a variety show. No, she comedians. definitely didn't do that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> she was just, uh, having fondue and banging dudes i guess i don't know but yeah that <laughs> show i gotta say was one of the funnest things i've ever been a part of even if i was just there to like watch because and yet like tristan was saying you so you were hosting but you did a, a lot of material but never once was i like come on keep the show going what no. are you doing you know it was like you were so funny the whole time and you had oh, a good my, selection of people like you picked some good people that's my favorite part of putting together the show like uh my brother was there and he was like, of all the shows you've ever done, it was the most consistently funny. Everyone who went up was different. Mm-hmm. Like he was like, you have someone like Dan Wicks. He he loved Dan's set. And then he was like, but then you have someone else who's just talking about race and making right. you laugh in like a really guilty way. Dan he, Wicks does like a very dry, uh, 
dry, uh, very. Um, what, what would you call that kind of delivery? Uh, I would call it like uh, Steve. Uh, is it, it's it's kind of Steve, Steve right, right? But Stephen Wright, but, but, uh, but uh, one liner. Not exa- It's it's like the one liners, but like. He he like sits there like and kind of has as the least amount of facial expression and movement that he can do for every single thing and yeah. like a lot of like deep pauses in between everything. Yeah, it's a thing that 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 a selection of comics try to do and like don't generally do well. Yeah, and he's killing it. Yeah. So when I like usually pick the group of comics, I try to make them different because I also feel like that's also good for the comics. Because you hate it when someone I like I went up in a, sh- uh, a show in Atlanta. And have a CrossFit joke, <laughs> which I'm not saying like I'm fucking, you know, like I'm so original, but it was a huge part of my set. And like right before me out of 10 comics, a guy goes up and completely annihilates the crowd, like kills with this CrossFit joke. And I was just oh, like, no. wonderful. Okay, cool. So I'm like, when I'm going to mics and shows and I'm trying to find people who I want to be on the show. I try to pick people who do like yeah. just completely opposite topics. I think it's more. What did fun you for do the, when that happened? Because I would drop the CrossFit bit. If I fucking was drop the hell out of that yeah. CrossFit bit. Yeah, it's, you gotta let that one go. You gotta, you gotta let it go. Yeah. And did your set go okay? Um, it did when I watched it again. It was. Um, oh, at the time it felt. Oh, it felt like um, I was just telling someone. I was talking to um, my roommate, who's actually the captain, and he was saying that he's never hate fucked someone. <laughs> And I was like, I haven't, I don't know if I can say I hate fuck someone, but I definitely have like passive aggressively given a set because I feel like the crowd is being really awful to me. Uh-huh. So it's like, I'm going to power through these jokes and I'm not going to let you feel good by knowing you're bothering me, uh-huh. but I'm almost going to like spit these out, you know? And that I felt like, I thought that's how I gave that set. Is that how you felt? I was so mad. It was uh, 15 comics, and um, they they left me dead last. Uh. And then right before they called me out, they were like, okay, guys, so we have one more, you know, comic for you. And after that, the winner of Last Comic Standing, Clayton English, Atlanta's hometown boy. So as so soon as I like, got up, they were like, get, fuck you, bitch. Get off, get off, uh, be done. Uh, yeah. So like, it was this weird feeling of like, the crowd didn't give a shit about this lady from New York. But then, so I did my set and I thought it was awful. And I remember flying back and being mad with myself because I try to do everything from a place of positivity, especially on stage. And then I got the tape and it, you couldn't tell. That's, the tape is the great equalizer <laughs> because when you when you do your set, you're feeling all sorts of things. Like your, I think your mind slows down and you just oh, yeah. you see everything and you feel everything in like in, in like slower time. And you can have a set and be like, "That fucking sucked. I bombed so hard." And then you watch the video and you're like, "Oh, that wasn't so bad." Yeah. But then you could also have a set there like, "I fucking crushed it in that room. It was amazing." Then you see your video, you're like, "I did fine." Yeah. Like it was, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it was like it's kind of it equalizes it out when you see it. I have a weird thing with tapes. Like I, I ha- I've learned that I can't watch the day after. Like I still haven't watched. So the show we did with Zilla was Sunday night, like four nights ago or whatever. I still haven't watched it, and I'm excited to because I did feel really good about it, and I felt present. I feel like it was a good thing to to relive. But I have, I have weird shame if something goes well. Like I feel ashamed of it in some weird way. You should be ashamed with how well that set went. <laughs> yeah, that dude, you had uh, like a wonderful smile on your face, and everyone was with you. Uh, yeah, you hit. Behind a curtain, yeah, uh, <laughs> and hopped out, came out ass first. <laughs> but then, if something goes badly, then it's like I don't ever want to fucking look at this thing ever. But that's the thing we're gonna learn. The uh, most that's when from, you really need to, yeah. You know, oh, so yeah. it's like I, I have 
I, I record everything. I looked so at my gotta, video immediately when I got it. Yeah. I was like, man, I am so funny. You were very funny. <laughs> you were very funny. You got us. Uh, it was a great start to the show. Um, I, no, I actually could see like the things that maybe at the time, like there were certain things at the, in the moment where I was like, uh, and then I watch it and I'm like, oh, it wasn't so bad. And then other things that I, you know, it's funny. It just, it, it does equalize everything. I could hear your laughter, Zilla, like more so. Oh, than, and the camera person yeah. has a really funny laugh. Um, so I had a, usually I get a professional guy and I had him call out. So I got a friend to just babysit my camera there. And, uh, she's one of those people that when she laughs, she occasionally says like, oh God. So <laughs> there's like, um, during some of the sets, it's like, oh my goodness. Oh God. <laughs> it's like a really funny, when yeah. I was watching them back, uh, like to, when I was transferring them, I was like, this is hilarious. That's a special Gran Noche, uh, <laughs> oh, you know, like soundtrack. Director's, yeah. director's track. That's awesome. Uh, you have to, but you have to, you know, you have to have somebody babysit the camera because it's Bushwick. I mean, They'll fucking yeah. steal somebody that could shit. have stolen the camera like midway through the, the show. Yeah. So what happened? So the DJs took over. Was it a crazy Latino dance party until like three in the morning? It went um, pretty well. Most of us were just so excited that it went well at all. Yeah. So there was a lot of standing around and just everyone was like, Talking about the comics, actually. Oh, okay. Like, a lot of the people really, really enjoyed um, seeing the comedy, and the dance was, like, not an afterthought, but just, like, a cherry on top. Yeah. It wasn't, like, the main idea of it. And I think if I... I think that's how you presented it, though. Yeah. And if I alter the format in any way, instead of six comics or seven, I think we had, I'd probably do five and try to find another variety show act. Yeah. Um, Because I I do want to keep it... um, so you can you guys can help me out with this. Sometimes I worry it would be hard to follow or not hard but like a weird act. I was grateful to follow the dancers. I don't know, I forget if I was right after. Well, right after the dancers, you did a you did like another 10 minutes or something. And I was grateful for that whole thing because I was like, "Oh, the mood it re-energized the room." Yeah. Cuz these two dancers were amazing. Like they were they were they were like acrobatic almost and uh and smiley they yeah. were just like super smiley and excited yeah. yeah and if you do good interstitials as a host then it doesn't really matter because like one thing i see at variety shows i see a lot of improv and stand up together yeah and usually that is just brutal yeah um but i think if you can if you can put the interstitials in there in a way to kind of buffer the different acts then it's it a lot better yeah uh i would love to see some burlesque so apparently yeah, burlesque is really expensive, which makes sense. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I had some people it's like just expensive to hire the performers. Or, yeah, yeah. Like me, you know, they're, it's a very vulnerable thing. Also, it's like how they make their money. Right. Um, a lot of those girls, they do that. Um, and it's like a risk to take as a, as a woman in society, you know, you got to like make sure you get mm. your due because people can be incredibly shitty. You know, we yeah. should, we should touch on that a little bit in comedy because, uh, you know, we're we're at the end of August here right now. Yeah. And, um, you know, earlier this month, there was a lot of controversy about, you know, uh, the way women are kind of handled or treated in um, the, the comedy community in general. And, I mean, obviously, uh, you're a woman and you're in comedy. Should, and, sorry to interject. Yeah. I, think we should, I think it's a comedy scene. I don't know if it's a community. Yeah. I could, I could, I, I could feel you on that. I agree with that. Um well, I mean, I didn't even let you it's mincing words a little sorry. bit. It is a scene, but it, it, 
I mean, it's a, it's a collection of different communities. How about that? Because well, I think it's true. like the warriors, right? Mm. So <laughs> we're just all trying to get back to Coney Island. <laughs> yeah, we all want to go to that glass glass beach. You know, and, the and beach that's fifty percent wanna... broken glass. I gotta go rewatch <laughs> the Warriors if I want to chip in on this part of the conversation. No, I'm just saying the way it's like all these different gangs at war with one. It's like there's tribes, there's like little groups. Um, I think. So let's say we you know call what? it let's a community. Let's not worry about Wait, women right? in comedy. Let's just talk about <laughs> the dynamic. Let's shit. talk about the Warriors. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. Well, what's your question? Her. No, I just want to. I didn't. I mean, first I'll let her finish because I like interrupted rudely, like a man, you know, like I am. You um, fucking fuck fucking douchebag. You know what, Zill? Why don't you take a break from the yeah. mic and let us mansplain to you <laughs> what's happening in the community right now? Uh-oh. No, just, uh, I mean, you know, obviously, like, we're idiots. So, um, you know, from your perspective, like, okay. Where, you know. So I have a pro- uh, film production background. Mm-hmm. And that was like, you're talking about. F- I got into film production as an editor right out of college. And anything terrible that's happened to me in the year doing comedy has been already done to me. Like, if you want to think of a place that's even more difficult for a woman to make it, mm. like, film can be really tough. But that doesn't, that doesn't, you know, just because it's already happened to you in a worse way, obviously, doesn't justify it. No, so, like, it, what, what, is hap- what do you think in the year of comedy? Because you're a very, like, strong woman. I don't think you're the kind of person that would... Uh, let let somebody push you around or treat you in a way that you don't want to be treated. But like, what what if, what have you experienced in your year of doing comedy? Okay, so I feel like a lot of that has to do with age. Because I feel like um, if I can't, and, and I'm not trying to blame anyone who's suffered, but it's like my expectation going into it is that people are going to be dicks. So it makes it a lot easier for me to deal with it and kind of shut it down really quickly. Like I did the main stage at Broadway Comedy Club. And they introduced me as a fucking lady comic. Ugh. Oh, that's that sucks. Yeah. So the first thing I did was when I stepped up was just completely like shots fired at that dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like and and then just continued into my set. Yeah. Because I wasn't gonna let it slide, even though like a part of me doesn't give a fuck because it's like, oh, look at this dude, who cares? Whatever. But then there's also like if we're doing stuff for the greater good of the community, that guy should feel like an idiot. Yeah. You know? Um, We've also talked about this kind of stuff at the mic, like Patrick and I host a Thursday mic at the stand, and you come a lot, Zilla, and you've seen some really ridiculous uh, acts in terms of the way people talk about stuff. And we've talked about because I'll go up there and I'll make fun of them when they do that. Um, oh yeah, it's pretty glorious, and I and I enjoy the the support. Um, uh, a part of me just feels like if we continue to kick ass and create more like shows, like where you know you guys are at the stand, you make a very welcoming mic for women. That's what we just need to be doing in regards to what happened recently, mm-hmm. sometimes I worry that people think that Facebook activism is actually going to affect the community. Right. And that's where I worry. Cause it's just like, okay, so then what do we have to do? We have to change it. It's like, you have to actively, then you go keep going to the mics, return to the mics that are supportive. Screw the mics that aren't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, support, pay to go see the show, you know, is supportive of female comics. Right. You know what I mean? Like, well, I think, I think every, I mean, I think people that are being victimized or being treated in, in a, you know, in a way that, that's, that's not right, like, should definitely have as many platforms as they need to get that out there and get and be treated in the right way. Um, but yeah, I think that, um, yeah, like the social media avenue can get real ugly really fast. You get a lot of, uh, 
I, you know, one thing though, I think there's less like anonymity than you'd see on like like a YouTube comment section or something like that, where people will just post the most horrible vitriol. Like if somebody does say something on on Facebook, uh, it's definitely associated with them. But then I think that can go both ways, where somebody's trying to make one point and then everyone jumps on top of it, like, "Oh, you're just saying this other thing, and and we hate you for that," or like whatever. You can get, and then you get this like. Like war of wards and people. The whole thing becomes like an echo chamber of like right and wrong, like things I agree with and things I disagree with, to the point where it all like just gets mushed up and and I can't make sense of it. Right. So what I've been talking to my my lady about is like, what can I do? Uh, like what do like I do? I would consider myself uh, a feminist and a male ally. Like I want to be there to support people who are feel threatened and let you. And yet uh, you just described your lady as if you owned her. As my lady. Uh, <laughs> uh, my partner. Um, I guess my question is, when the rubber hits the road, like if I see somebody s- say something in their set or treat somebody like in a creepy way or like... Because there are times when it crosses the line from yeah. like riffing and making art to like... Like if somebody calls out a specific person based on what they look like or whatever, like... As a ho- if I'm hosting that mic, I'll probably make fun of them for it yeah. to keep the mood up, but also acknowledge it and deal with it. But do I then? And I think there's a question for you, Zilla. Would it be helpful if I were to pull that guy aside after the show and say, like, "Hey, you made that person feel uncomfortable. You shouldn't do that." Or here, here's another thing you should maybe think about. Like, as a male ally, what should we be doing? So I feel like. Okay, so I host an open mic at the X Gallery on Friday nights, and sometimes I get people that I, like, don't agree with at all. Like, give you an example. Um, And they run a very awesome, like, environment there, so it's very free and open. But uh, Mo, who runs the X and is, like, a treasure, he's really quick to, like, you know, tell people that they need to change up their shit but it's like it's weird because i was talking to another comic about my open mic and how much sometimes it frustrates me and uh should i call them out as soon as i get the mic back should i let it go is it really my place to tell someone what they can or cannot say um i think it varies someone said something really anti-semitic at my last mic and all i did when i got the mic back was i do not at all share these views so i'm just gonna let you know that made me uncomfortable and that was it. You know, I didn't like, it was just like, hey, that was a kind of a dick move. That being said, I think the real, like for you guys, if you're hosting a mic and someone says something that's like shitty, uh, Tristan and I had a long talk about, um, so I was fucking this chick. So I was fucking this chick and like, or I was, fu- it gets even worse. I was fucking this black chick. And it's just like, what are we doing? Yeah. Now, that's why I think it's important to, like you were saying, like curate shows and mm-hmm. actually have shows where you're just like, you know what? You're fucking positive. I think rather than concentrate on the negative people, right. find those fucking awesome comics who are turning topics on their ear and like fucking um, addressing the tough shit I and agree, getting yeah. away with it and doing it well and making it a topic of discussion and elevate those people. Because I think what happened, I got really bogged down a couple months ago hosting the mic where I was like, oh my God, this cannot be. Like I cannot like... Um, it was almost like I dreaded showing up because mm. it was like sometimes it was like four or five people in a row where it would be really hateful, shitty things. Yeah. So I think more I like try to concentrate mm. more on like I know both of you guys 
you you do not hold back and go on all topics. But at the same time, you're also fucking like savvy. You know what I mean? You're not going to say some stupid shit that's... My, I had a conversation with a younger comic where he, um, he asked me about how he performed at uh, the earlier one, the first one I had, the first variety show. He said something kind of transphobic. So all I said was, you got to remember, we all need to make money. Mm-hmm. If there's a trans person in the audience, they're going to feel shitty. And if that's your intention, maybe another show. Yeah. And somewhere else. But also, what the fuck's the point? Don't yeah. don't we want the seats filled? Don't we want everyone to feel like they can come to our joint and laugh? And don't we just... You know, I'm, 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 I'm super, I have like a super duper liberal view when it comes to mics, um, because I think for mics, and this is something that I really worry about with comedy in general. I think that there's definitely a level of sensitivity that people have to have. And I'm glad that we live in an age where everybody is starting to be really aware and conscious of like the differences in people and acknowledging them in a positive way and, and, and not trying to like, uh, like, uh, alienate people because they're different and that kind of thing. But in that, in that same vein, like. I also really think that, like, especially for a mic, like, people should be able to say whatever they want to say because a mic is 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 stand up practice. You know, it's like there is literally no, I don't mean this in like a like a bad way. There's no lower form of comedy in the sense that like there's no there like besides like just talking to a ketchup bottle to your cat in your living room. Like, there's no, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, this is that's like the lowest level of comedy that we get where we're yeah. we're all together in a room with each other. It's like a dark basement on a beautiful day, and we're just sitting there wait, waiting to tell our like four or five minutes and. You know, I think it's a compl- like we have that's our time and we have a time to say whatever you want. And it can and I think somebody should be able to say something really awful um, and 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 terrible. And I don't have to agree with it. And I can actually in turn respond and say what I want to say about what they said. Um, I think people should exercise some level of responsibility when they're speaking publicly in any sense. You know, it is a mic. You're speaking public with other people. People are going to be listening to you. Like, have some level of, like, tact with how you're going to present your material. If you just get up there and just do a hate speech for, like, four minutes, that sucks. But I also feel like that's your right. Like, it's, 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 uh, you know, I very much believe in First Amendment when it comes to art and when it comes to the, the mics and, and when it gets to being a show and your show, you can be like, yo, dude, I don't agree with, with you as a person and I don't want to have you on my show. And that's totally your right to, to be that way. But while somebody's up on stage and it's their time, I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like they should be able to say what they want to say. But I also think there should be like people should be able to say what they want to say. About I think that I think there should be mental illness checks and mental health <laughs> checks. Because no, I know a guy. No way, man. I love the mentally unstable on stage. There, there's one guy who uh, who who. I mean, well, not, I mean, there's multiple people that do this, but like, there are people who aren't just testing out like how far they can go on a topic. They're just constantly revisiting these these themes that are straight up racist or sexist or hurtful or misogynistic, whatever the case is. And it's like these are the people that I'm like, what are we all wasting our time for with this guy? Like, like, th- I- I'll call this person out specifically because I feel like he's gotten oh, himself into no. hot water on the internet. <laughs> We're but, going there. But have you ever sat through a set of Louis B's where it's like, oh, he's he's actually evolving as a person, or he's, or is he gonna make someone in this room very uncomfortable again? I don't even know if you know who he is. Yeah, I know, I know who he is. Yeah, uh, I think I know what material. you're to to kind of like piggyback on that. Uh, I th- I think it's really annoying when you can feel people saying hateful shit and they're like, but it's cool, man. I'm safe. It's comedy, right? Because yeah. then it's like, okay, 
I guess what I'm going after is like, what is your point in being here? You can be a hateful comic, mm -hmm. but just understand you may never get booked. You may never have oh, fans. Yeah. That's a thing that's going to happen. Yeah. But there's people that feel that they are entitled to a crowd. Mm -hmm. And that's where I feel like. People oh, no. Entitlement is as no place in, in, I think, in just any level of comedy. I mean, the best comedians out there are like, like still like super humble about their craft and what they do. I mean, um, or at least they present themselves that way. Um, mm -hmm. I think there, there's no, there's no room for entitlement. And the funny thing is you see so much more of it in people that have just started out and they're just like, yes, um, can you just call my car and I'll be, you know, it's like, no, <laughs> you've been doing comedy for a month. Dude, honestly, I think that's why I'm struggling so much in my second year. Well, now I guess I'm in my third year. Uh, I felt really funny at first. I didn't have good bits, but I felt really funny oh, on ditto, stage. Oh, ditto, yeah. And now I'm like, Wait, that came so easily, and I yeah. deserve for it to continue to come easily because right. I, I do have entitlement issues. I don't think I feel entitled to do whatever material I want. At, at, at the, but that's a self-entitlement. That's not a entitlement that you're impeding on other people. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I guess I'm just saying that entitlement is poisonous in all shapes and forms. Yeah. For sure. I think, uh, yeah, Can I think we talk about that, though, that sense of entitlement? That, like, Absolutely. I just recently had my first bout with, like, um, I went on vacation, and I was in Florida, and I was miserable because I couldn't. I had this, like, terrible writer's block. Mm. Like, awful. Mm -hmm. And I'm in fucking Florida. It's like, it, this should be inspiring all of the comedy. Mm. And I just, I was like... Yeah, because like, all the best comedy clubs are in Florida, <laughs> right? Well, no, it's not even... All of the best, like, <laughs> current great, events great in human life. Yeah. yeah. You got to go to super depressing place. And then that's when you're really inspired to write a comedy. Like, what the fuck is wrong with life? Uh, some would argue that Florida is the place for that. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so you felt frustrated. Oh, incredibly. And then there's also that weird feeling when you're like, you know that it's like, um, it, it, in many ways I like treat doing comedy like aerobics where it's like, if you don't do it for a while and you go back to it, it's going to fucking suck. And not even in your performance, like you were talking about taper mm -hmm. earlier. It's not even that you're going to like suck to the audience, but it's going to feel painful when you like try to get back into your stride. So I continued doing it even though I wasn't writing anything new and I felt like I wanted to just jump off a bridge mm. because it was like I was hearing the same jokes over and over and they just sometimes you it's like beating a dead horse the joke becomes less fucking funny over time to only you mind yeah. you you know or to um, everyone else, depending. If, if, they're, if it's the same mic and you're doing these yeah. same things. But even if Jesus you're... Jesus Christ. Oh, what? oh, do you know how many times I, I see people do the same joke, like day after day, week after week, and I see the joke get worse mm. and worse? Like the first time I heard it, it was like, whoa, that is so funny. And by like the 50th time, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, like you have <laughs> completely stripped that joke of anything uh, fun. I'm nervous that's about me. No, no, no. That's how selfish I am. That's how entitled you are. But I know what you're saying. I just want I. It's like I want this shit to just come easily. I don't want to have to work for it. I want it to be predictable. And also, I feel like I want to be picked first in every fucking open mic bucket. I'm like, why aren't I first? I deserve that. It's like you're like you gotta open it up with the Patrick energy. I'm a fucking. I'm such a. <laughs> I'm such a shithead. Like, no. I, I'm all about fairness and everything, but then when I'm sitting there, I'm like, I deserve to get up sooner than this. 
Okay, can we talk about people who don't support the room, please and thank you? Like, oh. what, what do we do? We have to let it go. We have to let it go <sighs> because it will only drive you crazy further. Uh, I'm literally, like, I have to actually work on not giving a fuck anymore. You know, Jeff Lawrence, uh, He one of the biggest things he told me, and this is, I think, the piece of advice that will always live with me. Jeff Lawrence from him. Laughing Buddha. Yeah, he. I I did this show. It wasn't even one of our mics. It was a bar show, and and these comics were like bullshitting during my set in front of a table full of audience members. Uh, and I would like hated. I just like hated the comics for like spoiling what I felt was my like my. I felt like they ruined my set, and I didn't acknowledge it. Anyway, I ranted to him right afterward because he was on the same show, and he was like, "You literally just have to learn how to stop giving a fuck." You care way too much about the little things. He didn't say this, but I interpret that to mean that if I get caught up in the little shit like that all the time, it's going to drive me insane. Because I do. I, I People that don't support the room when, when like we work so hard to put on a good show or we've we've watched their set and now they're like they're not going to stay and watch my set, all that stuff, it's like... I have a philosophy about that too, though. I feel like part of improving as a performer is getting so good that, that they have to stay that they have to stay yeah. that you, that you're an undeniable force yes. to be reckoned with that like that no matter how what the room's like they're going to laugh at you yes. or with you and no matter um you know you know what kind of you know cuz you know like a really good comic um, the rest of the comics will stop what they're doing to check them out. Yes. You know what I mean? So oh, that's the greatest accolade. Like that's the best feeling when you see the, the other comics like peak over to you when you're going up. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, totally. And also I love, I love when, you know, we'll be in like the last quarter of a mic of a two hour mic. We're in the last 15 minutes or half hour or whatever. And somebody will get up and be like, Oh man, there's only 12 people left. And it's like, first of all, you're fucking lucky there's 12 people yeah. here. You go to any other <laughs> mic in the city and there's not still 12 people here. Or there's like and two then, on their phone. And so they'll be miserable during their set and then some killer will come up and fucking crush a room of 12 people. And yep. it's like that's that's why we're here, yeah. you know? And I, I, I have to say I'm not the killer in that scenario. Usually I'm in my head like, what the fuck? Like everybody's spent. That doesn't blah, blah, blah. like okay. You always cr- that I believe is really important. Always crush it. Don't fucking oh no one stayed. So now I'm gonna do like my bullshit work. Like yeah. that I um I completely support. It's stupid shit like people signing their friends in Ugh, yeah. that like makes me want to like smash people. But yeah. that then you know. But it's I know back to your whole thing. Oh, you can't. Not to get upset about shit you can't change. It's not like I can make them stay. I get that. I just think it's funny, back to the sense of entitlement, that a lot of like younger comics are just like, no, I'm going to sign in for this one. Then I'm going to skip over town and I'm going to do nine mics in a night. You know what? The, yeah. the, 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 this is all problems, though, that are related to the level of comedy that we're in. Because I'm going to tell you right now, when people have been doing it for like a number of years and they're getting passed at clubs and they're doing, um, they're touring around uh, the country and they're really getting those shows, like that, all that stuff goes away. Because like right now, like the point of entry is like anybody, like anybody can come in and do comedy at our level. And like, like literally from like one to maybe even five years, like there's kind of like this 
you know, until you start really getting to the next level where you're not doing mics anymore because you're getting, you know, rooms everywhere all over the city, like the entry point is anybody can come in. So it's, and there's so many people that do act like fucking children. Yeah. Like I, I help run an industry show like once or twice a week. And it's just amazing the people that come in, they, they either don't show up, they show up like super late and they're like, what's the problem? Or they like, you know, if it's a bringer show where they like need to bring people in order to perform and there's like, okay, you got to bring three people and then they'll bring one and be like, uh, you know, what's, you know, what's the problem? It's like, well, that was the deal. Like you have to bring three people and they'll try like everything they can, you know, and it's, it's also that sense of entitlement. Like, well, I'm performing comedy, so I should just be able to perform regardless of what the situation is and, and leave it to other people to bring in the audience and that kind of stuff. Um, I've seen, I've actually seen at the level of Caroline's, like, I'm not going to say who, but they're, was a pretty notable comedian at Caroline's. I had like a regular show over there and there's like a lady that works there that's been there for like, since the, since Caroline started practically. And she's like this, these guys, they don't, you know, they don't try anymore. Like they just come do the show. They don't promote it. They don't try to bring anybody. Yeah. You know, it's like, because they think that they're big shots now because they're running a show at Caroline's, which I can understand that feeling. Cause that's like, that's pretty, pretty awesome if you're doing that, but it's like, they don't, they don't promote the show. They don't try to do anything with it. It's very much like our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about promotion. So this is where I feel I don't ever trick myself into thinking that I'm going to be the greatest comic of all time. That I get you like, fuck that shit. That's a stupid thing to get tripped up in. Do I think when I think about, so here's why those, those like lazy asses and the people that show up late and they fucking try to wheel and deal. A part of me now is just like, keep it up with this shitty work ethic mm. because the people that work really hard, yeah. the people that are going back to a venue to say thank you, the people that are sticking around, the people that are bringing that positive energy, there's no way that they're... Like, occasionally, you're going to get a shitheel who's brilliant, and they're going to succeed because they're brilliant, sure. Yeah. But when you have... Right now, the, the like, community is very like uh, full of lots of youngins who are like, don't give a shit about anybody. They're disrespectful to the venues. So... I feel like promotion and just being a nice person and continually working on your comedy is going to pay off because there's no way that someone who's so lazy they can't bring fucking three people to a bringer is going to get their shit together enough yeah. to like, yeah. Yeah. you know? And there's so much talent out there, you know, right now. Oh, there's yeah. a lot of talent right now. And like, so people can just say, all right, you know, like you're not serious, then pass you know like yeah. i've got i've got a whole huge pool of other comedians that i can pick from that will that will work harder than you will yeah like like on my show like i of course i want it to be very very funny but it's also it's like i want to book people i want to be around for the night you know? agreed that's a hundred percent why am i gonna book you if you're a fucking snide asshole to me like sure i i love that bit you do about whatever and i think it's brilliant but i don't need it that bad on my show like i'd rather book somebody that's why patrick never books me yeah, like I, I can't stand you. The other, the other thing is, this is all age related, and I don't mean like I'm nervous about coming off as like, oh, these damn kids, because there are a lot of great young. No, I'm people. Not, who, I'm on that Scooby Doo shit. Fuck these meddling <laughs> children. Like, um, but, I don't want to sound like an ageist, but whatever, keep going. Well, no. So, so do you think it's? I mean, you came from film production, and I, I, I worked in production too for twelve years, and you do have to have your shit together. And there's a high, there's a lot of competition for those jobs. So going back to what Tristan said, where it's like, oh, you want to show up late? F fuck off. Yeah. Like, if these people don't realize that eventually they'll have to get their shit together, they'll learn that lesson the hard way. Um, I think, like you said, it's a, 
it's a competitive field. There's a yeah. lot of talented people. You have people who are putting on shows that maybe like I had someone ask me recently, they're like, Oh, how are you putting on a show if you haven't you've only been doing it for a year? And it's because I fucking busted my ass. That's the only thing I could say. It was just it, like Well it because you busted your ass and because you can. Like like and that sounds so lame to just say, Oh, because I can, but like no, because that that is how this works. It's like we make our own room and we make our own situation for where we want to put on a show and we put everything into it and it works out. And you fucking killed it. You're killing it with your show. Yeah. So good. Thank you. The and next like, one's October 16th. I'm very excited. Yes, you should all go. Can we can we switch gears for a sec? Sure. Um, I'm curious. Do you, do you mind talking about your, your day job right now? Um, like, I do not mind. Um, I'm a high school teacher. Right. Because when you started talking about the kids and like irrita- you know, being irritated with them, I'm like, oh, man, I wonder the parallels between uh, dealing with, with co- just regular comics and high school kids. It's probably going to be about the same. Oh. Well, well, I'll blow up Zoe's spot. She works with special needs kids who have their shit together more than some of these young <laughs> comics. So I think um, I'll put it this way. I don't the kids themselves are off limits. Like I make very like superficial jokes that are all based in truth. The joke, the, the actual job's a fucking trip. I yeah. mean, it can be amazing and heartbreaking and wonderful and terrible all at the same time. Um, my favorite joke is the one where some girl calls you a raisin eyed bitch. Yeah. A raisin, <laughs> raisin eyed white bitch. Raisin- <laughs> <laughs> um, a colorful phrase. Yeah. Um, I, I feel, though, that they really built me up for heckling. Because I remember the first time that I felt like a kid punched me when they just insulted me in the room in front of everyone. And you just, you... Do you remember specifically what they said? Um, it was a kid that... Okay, so I work with students who are mentally ill. And it was a kid who had told me that he he told me my address in the middle of class and he told me that he's gonna kill me oh my and God. like so but that's, that's quite a heckle yeah that is a, that's a deep <laughs> heck. that's a deep cut and i just was like oh well whatever i don't care so moving on to algebra <laughs> you know what i mean like because in i remember the it took me a year my first year was really rough and then i told a parent who was like oh you know a parent told me you know my kid is a hitter they're gonna hit you and uh they're gonna make you feel like shit Mm. and i said i'm not in the business of of arguing with children is is this parent like look i didn't raise my kids well at all (laughs) i just uh essentially smoke a lot of weed and it's really your problem but i'm just warning you because I'm i'm a nice person at least in that way um and i feel like I can't let the crowd get me down. So if someone, I've been heckled once really terribly as a comic and I didn't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Like what, it's not their show. What was the heckle? Um, it was some stupid shit about like, like, you know, fucking, you know, you know, like someone like yelling, some frat bro yelling some shit out. And I was just like, I actually treated it like a student and yeah. was just like, you need to sit down right if, now. If somebody starts heckling me, I'll just be like, no, what were you saying? And I'll like stop everything. Like if they're really like interrupting and I'll be like, no, tell me, tell me what your deal is. And a lot of times either they'll back down or they'll go in and they'll tell their whole thing and I'll let them say their thing. And then I'll be like, okay, no one cares. And then I'll just move on. <laughs> that gets like a big laugh and we just move on with our, our day. Yeah. You know, I like that one. I like that, that route. There's always the risk though. If you give them too much power, Ooh, yes. what I, if they're funnier than me is my fear. I don't think never, that's never a thing gonna that's going to happen. I feel like with a, I have to say, I think female hecklers are worse. 
I'm going to get so much fucking guff for saying that, but I've seen people get completely destroyed by drunk women Yes, because there's something really odd going on where it's like, like if it's a bitch and a happy birthday sash and a tiara, please don't ever let her heckle you or like, yeah. don't give her the form because like the floor, because she definitely thinks all of life is about her. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. I also feel like women have like an innate ability to cut you to the core. Mm. Like, oh, yeah. like just that's like an innate built in. Maybe it's just the the extra corpus callosum or whatever yeah. they have, you know, and they just so make all those like, connections and are like, boom, this is yeah. how to make you feel like, like you've been insecure since you were 14. I know your address. I'm coming to murder you. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so that's the teaching's fun. Um, it, it is a trigger for me to hear a lot of uh, bad jokes about people with special needs. Mm. If they're good jokes, whatever. It's a good joke. I can't like that. That's my rule for anything. If it's offensive, but it's good, then I can't say shit about it. I just saw this Jeff Ross video. He was doing some he was doing some political show. So it was all these roast jokes about politics. And he was talking about the Jerry's Kids Foundation event. Uh, Jerry. Uh, I can't think of Jerry's. last Lewis. Name. Yes. Jerry Lewis is. Uh, uh, what is that organization? It's uh, for muscular dystrophy, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. So, so the, he did an event for Jerry Lewis, and the one rule was that he could, they couldn't make jokes about the disabled children. And uh, he was like, "Well, let's let's push it." So he did this joke where he's like, "There's one kid. He's par- uh, he, he he couldn't walk, and uh, he he one day, uh, one night during the telethon, he he actually got up and he walked." right over to the TV to turn that shit off. <laughs> and it was... Just, Jeff Ross actually nailed the joke. I can't... Uh, I couldn't do but it that's, properly, but... That's masterful. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Um, I get a lot of jokes where it's like, you know... Uh, or I hear a lot of jokes where it's like women or men saying like, hey, guys, I can't believe it, man. I'm so autistic. Like, it's like, please don't do that, yeah. you know? Like, where they're talking about like... I text my girl 500 times a day because I'm autistic. It's like, that's actually the opposite yeah. of autism, but good job, champion. You're I just wanted to be around me all the time because <laughs> autism. That's a great point because, yeah, texting somebody 500 times would, would mean emotional investment. Or and- obsession. And the, it's like weird because I just want people, if you're going to talk about a topic, to like know a little bit. Read the wiki, like yeah. read the page a little bit about it. And um, then you can maybe step to the topic, but also, like you were saying, be masterful. Be make it a good joke. Yeah. Make it land. Uh, so what? So what is your? Um, so wait, when did you leave production to go into teaching? Okay, so I worked in production. I was an editor, and then there was a brief period of time. Um, so I was an editing assistant. I worked with thirty-five millimeter, and I was like doing the whole. Um, post-production thing, and it was really grueling hours. Probably a lot of night shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the turning points for me was I had tickets to a, a baseball game that I was, like, really excited and, like, paid a lot of money for the tickets. And in production, it was the sort of thing where it's like, oh, hey, this can needs to be delivered, so you need to deliver oh, it. Like, there was that. no, like... Um, my life didn't mean shit to these yeah. people. Yeah. So uh, my nephew was born with a disability... And it kind of altered my perception of, like, what I was doing. I loved film more than anything. And to this day, like, I feel like the movie theater is my church. And, like, I'm I'm a big fan of, like, old Hollywood. And even when mm. Hollywood's terrible, I still love the occasional thing that comes out. Um, 
but I, I chose to uh, get my master's degree in special education because I wanted to know more about what my nephew was going to be going through. That's beautiful. And, and you also uh, wanted to understand Hollywood execs. And I also wanted to write the perfect screenplay about a student with special... No, I'm kidding. You should, though. A feel-good screenplay. I feel like you should. I mean, I can already see this film. Like, you're you're an amazing person, and (laughs) there is a compelling story here. Uh, Wait, so that's your brother that we met, his kid? No, my sister. Uh, My brother is um, actually... I was always under his shadow growing up. So, like, anything that I've ever accomplished as a comic was, like, when I was nine, I don't remember the joke, but I, like, woke up on my birthday, and I think all I wanted for my birthday was a fucking laugh. This is so miserable sounding. But I, like, read this joke book, found the one I really liked, and I walked up to my brother, and he's like, damn, nine fucking years, you still ain't funny. (laughs) And, like, to this day, I'm chasing down that motherfucker still trying to... But now I I accomplished that. He actually... Success via He's come to every single one of my shows. He seems like That's a great, great guy. My siblings definitely have not done that. They've been there, though. <laughs> They've been there, but not even. Yeah. My, you know, my brother's been really, well, you know, both of them. My brother's well, been really great. Eventually, been... everyone will give up on you, you know? Right. That's yeah. what we have to remember. Do you know, everyone's so much more excited when you first start out with comedy. Oh, yeah. You know, when like everyone's terrible. like, let me come see your show. When you're fucking when terrible. When you're awful. And then when you really start getting your groove, people are like, uh, you know. Yeah. I felt it was the opposite. Everyone was like, oh, you're like ticking this off your bucket list? Like, no, I'm fucking, you know, yeah. like by the fifth show, people were like, oh, wait, you're not giving up. You're actually, yeah. you're <laughs> going to do this. Go, <laughs> uh, wait, so I have a question because uh, it's about me. Uh, when you were working in production, but not like you're working on films, did you have a quiet dream that you actually wanted to be in films? Um, I did. A, I used to make web content. Uh, so when I went to film school, I it was right when like YouTube and like DV like digital became a thing. Before that, it was tape to tape, mm-hmm. which is still my favorite because it makes you feel oh, like a I DJ. D- I did DV. Oh, yeah, yeah, it makes you feel like a DJ because you're like you know uh, exactly in point out point. Um, yeah, um, I didn't. I have to say, I someone asked me if I would have done comedy younger, I would have been terrible at it. I needed to be a much stronger person. I was a very like. I want you to like me person when I was really young. Yeah, I'm like that right now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm less like that. I still want people to like that. It would, it would be lying to, to say that like you don't care if anybody shows up. You do fucking care. Yeah. Um, but I didn't want to be in films. I just wanted to have a hand. Like mm. I loved movies so much. I just, I remember being, um, a PA and staying up all night guarding a truck. Mm-hmm. The shittiest job you could possibly have. And the cold. Guarding st- a truck? Meaning like they have the, the grip stuff. Yeah. It's like, and they need a body to stand by it. You're doing security, yeah. essentially. And um, I loved it, though. If it was a project I fucking believed in, I was like, fuck yeah, we're making a movie. You yeah, know? I could like, see Zilla like, wearing a leather jacket and gloves and just like sunglasses. <laughs> and just yes. like, wait for somebody to come <laughs> up to that truck. I, a random question just came to my head. Zilla, real name? No, it's uh, my. Well, if I give it away, then they then you don't the authorities can find yeah, me. Yeah. It's a stage name, and I remember. Same some, with your last name. Uh, yes, and okay. someone gave me so much fucking grief about it. And at first, I was like, so, I remember I went to uh, oh Jeff, Jeff and his little thing goes like, 
you know, don't do stage names, you know, uh, when he go, when he gives you the ins and outs of comedy. No, but it makes sense for you because you have this it's kind school of... School teacher? Yeah, school teacher yeah. and you really um, want to... My kids cannot find me in the internet. And One did. Also, you don't have like a... You don't have like a dumb stage name. Like some people pick stage names and they're just awful. Like, or they're so corny. You yeah. Know? Like what? Oh, Louis, Louis C.K.? Yeah, like that guy. No, yeah. no it's just... No, I, but I mean like... I, it's usually like... It's usually like newer comics and they'll be like, you know... John the contractor or, yeah. you know, some kind or there was some kind of like uh, comic that did like a play on, on Hillary Clinton's name. Like that was just so cheesy. Like, uh, you know, just like people pick up all sorts of like weird stuff. Yeah. Some guy was calling his like some like Jimmy balls or something like that. He was calling himself. Yeah. Just like stupid stuff. But that was my first choice for a stage. Jimmy name. balls. Jimmy ball. Yeah. <laughs> I could see it. I could see some Jimmy ball. What, uh, on stage? what, is, Jimmy what is Zilla a reference to? Godzilla? It is actually. I just got interviewed for a um, this like online content site that talks about like just uh, kind of regular topics with comics. They asked me who my first crush was, and my first crush when I was about four years old Godzilla. was Godzilla. Um, big dick, big dick on Godzilla. Well, oh, <laughs> it was a weird. I had it comes this, lightning, so that's that's cool. It was. It, it's still. It's it's kind of weird because when I was talking about it to them, I realized... Are you making a joke or is that a real thing? No, that's a real thing. Um, (laughs) I still have this... It's an attraction to like the person who's really angry and and me trying to make them not less angry. So I would have these really vivid dreams where I would like climb up Godzilla's tail and like tell him, hey, don't kill these Japanese people. And he'd stop. So And then you guys would make out? And, and, and the, no, is, we wouldn't. I was four. It was just like, I love Godzilla. You know, like, mom, who am I going to marry? I have no concept of what your, marriage did, is. Did Godzilla. Like, did your parents have tempers? Mm, my dad did. Yeah. yeah. See, what that's, is this? That's there's a pattern that's there's And then now working here. with the kids. Yeah. That, when I was telling these guys about it, I was like working with these kids who are like very temperamental. Like, You're I just could like be, so hot for all of them, right? Jesus Christ. Are you attracted <laughs> to men who are. Like have high tempers. Um, I was up until a point until there was a moment where I felt like I was in an after school special and I was oh, like, no. fuck this shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, I'm not saying that I, I admire, uh, women who have the strength to leave. I was lucky in that I got a lot of warning signs. This was right after I got divorced. I dated someone who loved to fucking stomp shit to bits and watch the world burn. And mm. uh, probably about six months in, I was like, hmm, not going to do this, you know, yeah. um, and just bounced. Good. Good for you. Yeah. I'm glad you're safe and sound. Now I'm the one smashing. No, I'm kidding. You are. You are. I'm, I'm, I'm smashing it. I, 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 today is the day that I'm just doing the math for the first time that you've only been doing this for a year. So I'm like, you are going to be fucking Godzilla on the comedy scene. You just got to maintain. You got to maintain and keep growing. Yeah. yeah. And and when you get to wherever I am right now where I'm like, <laughs> I'm I, so good. am I even fu- No, no. The opposite. <laughs> so when I'm literally like every day, I'm like, am I even funny anymore? Yeah, no, I'm same place. Like, uh, just fucking soldier on. We just yeah. soldier on, right? Yeah. And we uh, write and we work. And we do. Hey, Zilla, we got like another minute here. So um, do you want to kind of plug anything? Anything, any shows coming up? Any um, things you want people to check out on the internet? Um, so I do have the next uh, installment of Grand Noche. It's coming up on October 16th. That's a Sunday. It's at the Cobra Club in Bushwick. And uh, we're going to tap into the German uh, influence in Mexico. Okay, so nice. it's called October Fiesta. 
And um, we're looking to get, uh, so far tentatively, some accordion players and then some other shit because we just like to have a big old party. That That sounds amazing. I'll have to come check that out. And now we've actually are posting this thing up on the web. So people actually be able to listen to this, could leave comments um, instead of sending paper airplanes through the sky to us. Yeah. You could send love poems. You could do to that. Zilla. Yeah. Um, Zilla Vodness, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Zilla. Thank you for having me. This has been the Comics Table. Bye, guys. I'm going to clean up these dishes. <laughs>